Welcome to Abby and the Mustangs. This podcast connects Mustang lovers everywhere and sparks conversations in an effort to promote the adoptions of American Mustangs. I'm your host, Abby Condi. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. So today I'm really excited because we are going to be going over some different HMAs, um, information about kind of the descendants of those horses, um, their characteristics and different things like that. So an HMA for anybody who is unfamiliar is a herd management area. And basically what that is, is it's a piece of land, um, however many acres um, that BLM manages and they don't just manage the horses on that land, but they also manage the other wildlife and different plant species and different things like that. So the horses are just included um, into these management areas specific to whatever herds are on that piece of land, if that makes sense. So if you were to go to blm.gov and you searched up herd management areas, um, there's a lot of different states that are included, Arizona, California, Idaho, Wyoming, um, some of the Dakotas, I don't know, I think it's like very few HMAs in the Dakotas. That's why they have like Wyoming and Dakotas kind of in the same section. Anyways, um, all these different states have different maps that you can look at, um, and it has information for each herd management area. So what I've been doing is um, just kind of researching online through BLM and also through like Facebook and people's personal accounts of their experience with horses from specific HMAs and just kind of compiling all them all into one single profile and then so that I can share that with you so that if you know you want to get a horse from a specific HMA you can or if you're just curious like I am and want to learn more um, there's that too. So I wanted to start with a HMA that I am not personally familiar with, but I'm, I kind of have like secondhand experience seeing them. I participated in the 2020 Arizona Tip Challenge back in December, and many of the competitors were actually um, randomly drawn horses from this specific HMA. And the one that we're starting with is the Surbat Mountains. Um, this is in Arizona. And like I said, if you were to Google it, you could see the map of where it's at. I'm not very good at explaining locations. But anyways, um, a lot of these different competitors got Surbat Mustangs. And the reason that Surbat is so sought after is because they come from, well, they're believed to come from Spanish descended must or the Spanish Mustangs that um, came back in the 1500s. And they're, you know, the descendants of those horses. So the reason that I think these horses are so sought after is not only because of their Spanish descent, but this herd is very rarely um, gathered because the population is moderately stable. The reason for that is because the Surbat Mountains have a high density of mountain lions, and so that kind of keeps the population down. So, um, you know, BLM doesn't really need to gather them as much because they have a natural predator that is keeping numbers down. Um, 
So I just have some notes here. Um, another belief is that some of these horses were abandoned from livestock ranchers around the 1700s. So the Spanish Mustangs and then also these abandoned ranch horses or escaped ranch horses um, have come together, bred, and then they have the Surbats. Um, these horses typically show characteristics characteristics of Spanish descent, which if you know what a Spanish Mustang looks like, I mean, they're absolutely beautiful. They have really big, strong necks, big bone, the feathered feet. Um, a lot of times, when I think of a Spanish Mustang, honestly, I think of the color black. I don't know why, um, but I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, the average height for these horses goes from 14 to 16 hands. The herds are predominantly bays with numerous red, strawberry, and blue roans, which I've actually seen a friend of mine has a blue roan and he's so cute. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of roans in that herd, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the AML for that specific HMA. So an AML is appropriate management level, and that's how many Mustangs or how many horses can survive on a piece of land like healthily, like in a good way. Um, so the AML is 72 to 90, but I couldn't find, for some reason, I couldn't find like current population numbers. Um, so I don't really know. Also, I don't know if this herd is even highly documented because when I look up Surbat Mustangs, like I see a lot of pages on Facebook of owners that have Surbat horses, but I haven't seen any of like them in the wild. I think it's because they spend most of their time up on that mountain, the Surbats, I guess. Um, anyway, so back to the horses. Wildlife. So the wildlife that shares this, this herd management areas with the Mustangs um, includes desert bighorn sheep, desert mule deer, coyotes, and mountain lions. So obviously the mountain lions are um, their, their predators, I guess. So, so yeah, that's a little bit about the Surbats. That's kind of all the notes that I was able to um, conjure up for them. Um, so let's move to a different HMA. Um, this one is in Nevada, and this is Little Owahi. Owahi. I hope I'm saying that right. When I looked it up, she said Owahi, but I don't know. So, anyways, Little Owahi. There's also a, an, a just a singular name, Owahi HMA. So there's two different ones. Um, in case if I do another one of these and I do Owahi, don't get it confused. There's two different ones. Um, so these horses are descendants of ranch horses that either escaped or released into that area. So that's pretty common with mostly all Mustangs. They were either escaped horses or of Spanish descent because the Spanish Mustangs were same thing. They escaped or they were let loose when, you know, they didn't need them anymore. Um, some, phys some physical attributes of these horses. Um, the majority of them are bay, brown, black, and sorrel color patterns. However, there is a number of palominos, buckskins, grays, and whites, many pinto or roan. So, I mean, that's a lot of color, um, but predominantly they're probably more common to be bay and brown and black. Um, available forage for these horses that is very common out on that rangeland is needlegrass, rice grass, wheatgrass, squirrel tail, and bluegrass. I believe that they share this piece of land. Little Oahe is shared um, because a lot of it is privately owned land mixed in with public land, so it's kind of all across the board. Um, but they share the land with domestic livestock as well as you know your typical lives or your typical wildlife, which is chucker, partridge, sage grouse, mule deer 
pronghorn antelope, coyotes, jackrabbits, various species of birds, rodents, and reptiles, you know, the random reptiles, snakes, lizards, things like that. Um, the area also serves as a winter range for deer during migration period. So in the wintertime, the competition is a little bit more, um, is greater. There's more competition in the wintertime because when these mule deer migrate, um, this is where they eat, this is where all the forage is available for them. There's all these different grasses and things like that that they need to survive through the winter because it's colder. Um, the appropriate management level for this um, herd management area is 194 to 298. That's what BLM has it currently. I don't know if appropriate management levels are accurate because when I went onto the BLM website, I watched a little bit of some of their videos that they had explaining why they were gathering horses. Um, and the videos are back from like 2016, 2014, different things like that. So I'm trying to find some updated videos. That would be really cool to see for some more research. Um, so yeah, um, is this HMA highly documented? I do believe it is, and I know that Awahi, the normal one, the big HMA, is very highly documented. Um, there's a lot of, this is also um, a herd management area that many advocates have been pushing for BLM to stop gathering, but I do believe because there are so many, you know, animals out there, it's, it's necessary, of course, to, um, to gather them. I don't know how often there gathers where I couldn't find that either. I think if I look a little bit further, I could have found it, but this was one that I had just done really quick. So, um, so yeah, um, that's a little Oahe. Next is Saltwells Creek HMA, and I actually had two Saltwells horses. I still own one. Um, he's not here currently. He's actually at a ranch getting trained um, by some boys as a form of therapy. That's a whole other story. But anyway, he's, he's so pretty, and when I read all the information about this HMA, it totally makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, that's him. Like That makes sense, as, as well as the mare. I had a gray mare from that HMA, and she was just humongous stocky, big built, big bone, absolutely beautiful mare. Um, and she was from Saltwells. So let's start. Notes that I wrote down. The Wyoming horses have a diverse background of many domestic horse breeds that include Rocky Mountain horses, American Saddlebreds, Standard Breds, and Morgans. So honestly, when I heard that, I mean, if I think about my mom's Mustang, Joe, his face, he totally has a saddlebred face like 100 percent and i thought i used to think he was gated i don't think he's gated anymore when we first got him he moved a little funny um but you know over time he's he kind of moves normal now but that would make a lot of sense i'm very curious if if people get a lot of gated horses out of this hma with all of these domestic breeds um bloodlines mixed in there <clears throat> so a full range of colors is present in this herd with high numbers of palominos, sorrels, with flaxen manes and tail. So um, a flaxen mane and tail, if you look, if you think about a sorrel horse, so a sorrel horse is kind of like a reddish orange um, tint of brown. Um, and then a flaxen mane and tail would be more lighter colored, so like a blonde or a white, which is um, very pretty on sorrels. It's very unique. You don't see it very often. Um, I'm sure they're very sought after, actually. Um, some available forage for these horses on the range would be needle grass, Indian rice grass, wheat grass, and sedges. I'm not sure what sedges are. I think when I looked it up, it was just like a different kind of 
bush, like a grassy bush. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm getting that confused with something else. So just excuse that. Um, the wildlife that they share with um, on this range, um, they share uh, food and stuff with elk, deer, pronghorn, domestic cattle and sheep use the area lightly in the summer seasons and moderately in the wintertime. The appropriate management level is 251 to 365. Um, I don't, I don't, I think this herd is very highly documented. If you go on and you, you know, Google search salt wells mustangs, you can find pictures of them like all over the place because I think it's a highly accessible area. So photographers go there pretty often. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about the domestic cattle and sheep use on this HMA and just kind of be clear, um, a lot of this is where people get worried because they think, okay, well, if we take the cattle and the sheep off of the land and allow the horses to just have more food and to graze, then there shouldn't be a problem. They should be able to manage themselves. Unfortunately, that isn't the solution to the problem. See, when we think of domestic livestock, we have to think about the way that they eat their food. So if you think of cows and sheep, they only have um, bottom teeth. So when they graze, they're not able to uproot the entire plant. When horses eat, they grab with their top and bottom teeth and jerk upwards, which typically uproots whatever plant that they're eating and they'll eat the entire thing. They'll destroy the crown of the plant, which is, you know, essential for it to survive. If you just eat around the crown and then leave it alone and then the rain comes or whatever comes, that plant is able to grow back. So domestic livestock, even though they eat the forage, the land is able to come back from that. Whereas horses, they're on it all year long and they eat the entire thing and then they leave the place barren and it's almost impossible for it to come back. We we don't understand, or a lot of people don't understand that the Western rangeland is a very um, delicate thing to manage because if you push it too far, um, it won't come back. I mean, it'll just be barren forever. And you can't just go out there and, you know, plant more plants. That's not how nature works. Um, because then we're just meddling, you know, even more when we don't want to be as involved even with the horses. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my spill on that. If you really think about it and do some, you know, more research, it, it all makes sense. Um, okay, so the next HMA I wanted to do was Green Mountain, and this one was so hard to research because there's very limited information out there about this specific HMA. Um, so, Horses from this HMA have been described as either very easy to train or very difficult. Um, so it kind of is, you know, kind of a back and forth thing. You're not really sure. Um, some people, you know, who they have trained these horses, like I said, they've gotten them and they've been really, really difficult or really easy. So what I did was, is I went on Facebook and I put on a post and I was like, hey guys, like I cannot find any information about Green Mountain horses. So if you have adopted one, please post pictures, um, give me some information about them so that I can, you know, make a profile. Um, so some physical attributes that I noticed from all of the picture is that these are really large horses for the most part. If they're not large in height, they're very large in width. They're very wide, stout, big boned horses. Um, I did see a few that were a little on the smaller side, but generally overall, probably out of 10, eight horses were very stocky. Um, very nice looking horses. So um, some forage that's available out in that HMA includes sage, grass, woodland, and riparian species. Um, the mountain that these horses on is pretty steep and rugged. So I imagine that these are very hardy horses because of the range that they live on is not 
an easy landscape to navigate. Um, this is also a point that I wanted to bring up about helicopter gathers, um, especially with Green Mountain HMA. I was able to watch a video um, from BLM of why um, they needed to gather these horses and they even mentioned, okay, well, we're using the helicopter gather. This terrain is so rough and so rugged. There's absolutely no way to um, trap these horses. Otherwise, they would just have to um, use the helicopter because that's a lot of land to cover. It's not safe for, you know, people to just herd them if you're on horseback and you're trying to herd an entire, you know, group of horses. It's just not really safe. Um, so to make it safer for everybody and the horses, they use the helicopters to gather them. Um, I thought this HMA was a perfect, you know, example to kind of bring that up again. Um, so... These horses spend their time on top of the mountain, the Green Mountain, um, during the summer and fall months. The wildlife that they share with this area um, is elk, deer, pronghorn, bighorn sheep, and moose. So that's kind of cool they share with some moose. Um, but like I said, there was not a lot of information on the Green Mountain horses. Although I do have, whenever I think of Green Mountain, I think of this black mare that a friend of mine had from Green Mountain, and she was just stunning. When you think of like a Spanish Mustang, that's what it would look like exactly. She looked just like a Spanish Mustang. I don't know that the Green Mountain horses are descended from um, Spanish Mustangs. They're probably descended more from like drafter, draftier horses, um, different breeds like that, but I can't say all of this for sure. This is just all um, kind of my hypothesis from seeing pictures and photos um, and different things like that. So, um, so our last HMA that we're going to cover today, this one's really, really cool. Um, and it's very, it's pretty well known. So I'm excited to share it. The sulfur HMA in Utah. So the sulfur, hor the sulfur horses are nationally recognized. Many of these horses draw their genetics all the way back to the colonial Spanish horse that was introduced to America in the 1500s. So I've been talking about Spanish Mustangs for probably like 15 minutes now. <laughs> and so the sulfur HMA, these horses have direct ties and they're known to have direct ties um, to the colonial Spanish horse. And I think that their genetics are very um, saturated in this herd because there is a lot of inbreeding. So with that said, with the inbreeding, um, I think that's where people have a tough time training these horses. And I'll get I'll get to that point when when I'm done with this spiel. Um, so we'll hold off on that point. Um, back to this. Over time, the herd bred with local escaped ranch horses, but some still hold traits from the Spanish horses. These traits include the distinct colors, dun, gruya, and grayish mouse color. Their ears are very are very colored like a bird's beak and a fawn color inside with the outside being rimmed with black. Okay, I can't read my own handwriting and I had to write that down because it's hard to remember. But what I was saying is, is their ears, um, they point, they're very pointy and they're curved like if you imagine a bird's beak, I guess, you understand like the concave profile that I'm talking about. Or if you think of like, um, there's a specific horse breed. They're called like marwaris. Um, they have the really like hooked ears. So when you think of sulfur horses, that's what they're talking about. Um, they have, you know, the cream color on the inside and then the outside of their ears has like that ringed black. Um, it's so pretty. When you see these horses in, per in person, they're just stunning. I mean, I remember seeing one that my friend had um, and she 
had like an entire blanket of black over her back. Um, absolutely beautiful horse. And she was a Gruya. Or was it a Gelding? I don't remember. But anyways, th that horse was from Sulphur. Um, so these horses have short backs because many of them only have five lumbar vertebrae instead of the normal six lumbar vertebrae. Um, this characteristic is very rare. Um, so it's very specific to this herd. There, I guess... From what I read, um, there are some other herds that might show the same characteristics, but sulfur definitely, um, some of the horses have only five lumbar vertebrae, which a lumbar vertebrae are the vertebrae on the top of the back um, between the, I guess, the pelvis and the withers. So um, wildlife that are shared, um, that share this range um, are they share the same resources with with mule deer rocky mountain elk and pronghorn all four species share this hma year long so competition for forage is the greatest during the spring and summer because this is when the big game species eat grasses primarily during a drought the competition increases for limited resources so imagine that the competition is already tough and if there's a drought then it's even tougher so then there's the risk of these horses starving um and then that would be enough for BLM to say, okay, we need to gather some of these horses. Um, weirdly enough, even though this HMA sounds, oh my God, so cool because these horses are gorgeous. So let me kind of explain more what they would look like. Um, a lot of them have like thick dun stripes down their backs. They have striped legs. Um, I mean, they're just very unique looking horses and they have like that mousy gray color. Um, some exhibit more of like a cream color and some sorrel, some duns, um, but they're just absolutely beautiful. Anyways, back to what I was saying. Unfortunately, a lot of people are very turned off from the sulfur herd and they will not adopt sulfur horses because they have been known to be extremely difficult to gentle. Um, I do believe that it has something to do with the inbreeding. Um, the horses don't have, they have a lot of this, you know, wild um, genetics from back in the Spanish horses and they're, you know, just been recycling the same, you know, genetics in one little herd. So I don't know, they might have a bit of, you know, uh, a wild streak to them, uh, but every horse is different. So you can't necessarily discriminate against one specific HMA because you never know what you're going to get. Um, even though we can, you know, kind of label them with some different, you know, unique things that they have unique to their herds, um, just keep that in mind. Don't be turned off just because I said so or because someone else said so. You kind of have to find out for yourself. Go see the horses yourself. And, you know, like I said, they're all different. Um, so yeah, those are the HMAs that I wanted to go over today. Um, this is a bit of a shorter episode just because, you know, it, it, it took a lot of research, but I talk a little bit faster than I write. So, yeah, I hope that this um, supplied some cool facts for you guys, um, something for you to think about if you are looking to adopt. I'll definitely continue to do more of these, probably add in two or three to the next episode, maybe at the beginning or at the end before I get into the next topic. Um, so, yeah, I hope everyone is having a very safe week, and I'm very excited to talk to you guys later next Friday. This episode is brought to you by Crossbow Equine Services. Kylie Bowen, owner, founder, and CEO of Crossbow Equine, is offering services to coach you in your equine business needs. As a trainer and equine entrepreneur herself, Kylie has the knowledge from learning through past mistakes as an early business owner and knows the equine industry from the inside out. 
Equine sales marketing, leveraging social media, and helping you develop your brand are just some of the things that she does best when it comes to serving you and your horses. For listeners of this podcast, Kylie is offering a free 15-minute consultation call. You can contact her by email at crossbowequinellc at aol.com. That's crossbowequinellc at aol.com with the subject line Mustang 20. To get in touch and book your free equine business consultation, email crossbowequinellc at aol.com. Thank you. And now a message from one of our sponsors. Shelby's Homemade Creations. I, Shelby, started this small business in hopes of having a fun hobby and turning my little dream of having a small business into reality. In my online store, I sell an array of soaps and are all natural, made from both glycerin and shea butter, based with essential oils added for scent and some health benefits. I do have a surprise coming this winter with a new base option. Candles are all made from all natural soy wax and the scents are all essential oils to help put a natural scent in the home without burning harsh chemicals that are in other candles. Candle melts, these are my favorites. I start with a soy wax base and add in the essential oils for scent and then dye for fun colors. These are then poured into little cartons and ready for the forever homes to be melted. I use this product daily. My wax warmer always has a new scent in it. New to the shop are bath bombs. They are all natural, started from scratch, and scented with essential oils for a nice bath time aroma. Lastly, the newest addition to the shop is lip balms made from all natural beeswax. I start with melting the beeswax and then adding some coconut oil and essential oils, then letting them dry in either a tube or a tin, then they're off for their forever homes. There is something for everyone at www.shelbyshomemadecreations.com. There's a tons of scents ranging from sweet to savory, one to fit each and every person. Now, Shelby sent me some scents and some candle melts, and by far, my favorite ones have to be Snickerdoodle and Citrus Paradise. So head on over to www.shelbyshomemadecreations.com and find your scent, and you will be pleased. Thank you so much. If you're interested in adopting a Mustang or Burrow, or are looking for resources, please visit blm.gov programs and select the Wild Horse and Burrow column to learn more. If you are not in the position to adopt, please share this podcast with a friend and start a conversation. If you would like to donate to our Wild Horses and Burrows, please visit mustangheritagefoundation.org slash donate. Thanks for listening.